0: God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet and consecrates him in the womb. Jeremiah's task is to preach God's word in the midst of the difficult political realities of his time before the Babylonian exile. He is to make God known no, not only to Judah, but also to the nations. The first reading is from Jeremiah, the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the responsive reading of verses from Psalm 71. O God, be not far from me. O my God, ma- make haste to help me.
1: In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be to shame.
0: In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock
1: of refuge, to which I may continually
0: come. You have given hand for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man.
1: For you, O Lord, are my hope. I trust, O
0: Lord, for my youth. Upon you I have learned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you.
1: O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to
0: me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Christians in Corinth prided themselves on their spiritual gifts. Paul reminds them that God gives us many gifts through the Holy Spirit, but the purpose behind all of them is love, the kind of love that God showed us in Jesus Christ. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians, the 12th and 13th chapter. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Holy Gospel today is from St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they, they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed. And they said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Reports of him went into every place in the surrounding region. And then he rose, he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. They appealed to him on her behalf. He stood over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and she began to serve them. When the sun was setting, All those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to Him. And He laid His hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But He rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that He was the Christ. The Gospel of our Lord. Now, the Bible lesson today is a word that was rarely used. Um, Can't really think of it used very often. I'm going to see if you can, the word mirror. You're going to notice that there's some mirrors up here today. Mirror. It's not used very often in the Bible. It's one of those kind of rare instances where it was used. But it's being used for a reason and purpose, and it has everything to do with epiphany. Epiphany is God's revealing, God's showing, God's letting us see um, himself, his work, his efforts, But it's also now moving over to that when the world sees the church that they'll see him as well. The epiphany grows. It's just not looking upon Jesus only, but now we look upon Jesus first and foremost. I mean, of all the people in the world we're going to look at, we look at Him. If you're going to try to figure out how you're to live your life and how you're to spend your life, He is the example because He is the Son of God and He is God. And so He's our first. You don't follow the pastors, you follow Jesus. You don't follow the parents, you follow Jesus. He's our first. And then from there, the godly ones that you can trust. But He's first. But now, when the world looks... They can see the church. And so the epiphany is actually to roll through us. And Paul uses the idea of a mirror. A mirror. What do you see in that mirror? One of the reasons why he's bringing up the mirror is because in the beginning, in the very beginning of these books, this collection of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there it was. On the first day, God creates. And on the second day, He creates. And at the end of every day, He says, It's good. He's looking at what He's doing. He's building something beautiful and it's powerful and it's, just, and it's come together as God can make come together. And on the third day, it was good. And on the fourth day, it was good. And finally, when everything was ready, when everything was ready, He makes us and puts us in this world. And He makes us in a very unique and special and beautiful way. Words that only He gives to us as His children. He says, I formed you in my image and likeness. Image and likeness. Who What you resemble, but who you are. Your capacities to love and to forgive and have good things. All those things. That's, that's God's likeness that's inside of us. And He made that. Some folks forget that. When they look in the mirror in the mornings, they see all the things that they're not and all the things they should be at the end of the day. How old are their failures? No, church, remember. He made you in his image and likeness. And Paul starts us off with that thought. The mirror catches this is not always a good thing, though. Sometimes because of sinfulness, we are in bondage to sin. We can't free ourselves. There's an aspect of our life that is in the fallen side that was not part of his intent, but it's happened, so now he's dealing with it. And that part we're also going to look at. Now, this is where I need your help. Can you come around to this other side? and If you want to sit, just sit in that chair right up there for a second. Because I need you to look at something. When you sit in that chair... What do you see right here? Have you ever seen this before? Some would say that that's uh, the, the face of Jesus, the picture of Jesus. A little girl painted that picture. Think about it. A little girl painted that. A little girl, like younger than you, painted that. So you see that, all right? Now let me ask you folks. He sees Jesus. What do you see? Just think about it. Don't have to answer. This is will be a rhetorical, This will be a rhetorical question. I'm just asking just for the sake of asking. Mr. Hall back there, he still sees Jesus. What are you seeing? This mirror is a powerful teaching tool. Mr. Hall, he still sees Jesus. What do you see? You see yourself, maybe. If you're close to the mirror, you can see yourself, maybe sometimes more than you want to see. Sometimes you don't like the mirrors, you don't like pictures, but they're honest. But how about if, when you saw this? You saw Jesus. And what happens if the world looks at this, and the world sees Jesus? That's what he saw. A little girl painted that. A little boy. You gotta read the book. It's called Heaven's for Real. When you read that book, Heaven is for real. You'll know the story to that picture, and how the world has come to see that that's the face of Jesus. So the mirror. You see one thing. You see another. You can have a seat now if you want to. You can go sit with mom and dad. Yeah. All right. So the mirror. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to set up the mirror in such a way that when we look upon it, we see him. And then when the world looks upon us, they see him. All right, now there's a challenge with that. And I got to put this mirror up. Let me see if I can do this right. On this mirror, there is pictures of the Holy Trinity. When we see Jesus, is because we couldn't see the Father that way all the time. So He gives us His Son, so that when we see Him, we can see the Father. We also saw the Spirit in the form of the dove. However, when you look at this, So many things are interfering. Now, with that going on in the background, when Jesus entered the temple, the city place, he entered the synagogue, what did he find? Do you remember? When Jesus entered the synagogue, what did he see? He saw what? Okay, that was later on in the story. And when, we, when he's going, he clears out the temple. In today's gospel lesson, when he goes into the city of Capernaum and he goes to the synagogue on that Sunday, it's like he entered this space. This is pretty much what it could have been. It would have been a gathering maybe about our size. Probably a little bit bigger because it was a city space. But either way, there's a bunch of people there. So that's what he sees. The first thing he sees is people, right? The next thing he's going to see was an unfortunate thing there, a demon. There was a man there who had a demon, all right? Imagine that in a church there's a demon. In a church, there's evidences of demon behaviors. It gets it continues though. Forget the church setting. Next after that, he goes into the home. When he goes into the home, when he gets there, there, obviously he's gonna see people. He's gonna see the family gathered in this home, Simon's family, even his mother's law's there. But when he gets into the home, he sees a woman with an illness. And we got to know, this is a high fever. They don't have ibuprofen, Tylenol, antibiotics, so they can snap out of a fever that easily. These fevers can take lives in a hurry. And he goes into that place, into the home, and there's an illness. He enters the sanctuary, there's an illness. There's this demonic presence in all the behaviors thereof. Now he enters the home and there's that. Then right after that, there's three parts. It kind of evolves. Synagogue to home. The very next thing, he leaves the house and he's just outside or he's somewhere outside and and there's a lot of people. Lots of them. They're coming from everywhere actually. They're hearing about this and they're flocking to him. And what's surrounding him? The same stuff. Surrounding him are people who have these demonic-like things going on inside and surrounding him are people who have illnesses and none of them can help it. It's just the way it is. He's surrounded them by it, and time and time again that day, he's doing one beautiful thing. He's telling the demons to be quiet and leave, to let his people be free, and he's telling the illnesses go away, so that his loved ones can be healed. An epiphany showing up. God is seeing one thing because the epiphany is an unveiling. God is seeing. These behaviors and these illnesses, and in the end, the people are going to see something. So we're going to think about these things as far as the the evolution of that that thought on on, on a mirror. When they look at this, all right. Ideal, I could have had a double sided mirror: one to go convex, one concave, and one make you tall, one make you wide, whatever. But we didn't have that; we just got one mirror. On here. Illness is covering. You can't see the Holy Trinity because there's an illness. What are illnesses in your life that are blocking people from seeing God in you? What are the addictions in your life that are blocking people from seeing God in you? Because when they see you, they won't see God. They'll see your addictions. They'll see your illness. What in your life is blocking them from seeing God in you? What's covering up God in your life? How about indifference? You don't really care about anybody else. I'm going to say this, and I don't care what you think. I'm going to do this, and I don't even care what you do. It's all about me, actually. I don't really give a rip about you. I'm indifferent to you. You matter not to me. When you show that in your life, they're not seeing God. They're seeing evidences of the evil one. Every one of those words is a devil-inspired activity that covers up the holy trinity that you were created and purposed to be. Pick one out. Instead of faithfulness, you've got adultery. Instead of being someone that they can count on, there's disappointment. War instead of peace. War is horde. Instead of charity, there's greed. There's rebellious. Instead of faithfulness, there's rebellious. There's liars. Instead of a friend, an antagonist. How do you just antagonize people? How are you not trying to raise them up? How are you tearing them down with words? How are you manipulating and using people? Because there's gluttony up here. There's even right over here behind this one, brute. Instead of being gentle. Instead of using your God-given gifts in a way that raises people up and encourages people. You can walk in there and use your strength and use your your personal capacities and use your money and all that stuff all puffed up and you can wreck people and manipulate them to your own needs. Use all the strengths in the world that you have. Money, character, physical strengths. Are you a brute? Are you rude? How about arrogant? Where's the gratitude? Condemning, contaminated. That's a harsh word. Greed, all these things. One of these got to you. I know it, because some of them get to me. One of these stepped on your toes. One of these is calling you out. And it might not be a small one. Instead of a little you know, half sheet of paper like 4 by 11, it might be a big 12 by 12 right in the middle. Maybe something you're dealing with is vindictive because you don't have a capacity to forgive people. You're holding on to their wounds and you're holding on to your hurts and you will not forgive them. And as you're holding on to that, you even want bad things in their, rep- in their return. You want them to feel some of the things, that how they've hurt you. You want them to feel that way too. Vindiction. There's no healing in there. There's no life in that. You're just as wounded as they are actually. It's horrible vindiction. Maybe that one's big on your, maybe vindiction just covers up half of this thing and the other ones aren't so much. Maybe you're very generous with your money, but you're vindictive. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you forgive people easily, but you hold on to everything. Control. How is our life being manipulated by the evil forces so that when the world sees us, they can't even see the Holy Trinity? And I know there's things on here that gets to every one of you because they get to me too. I'm just with you. Okay? Now the catch is, is God doesn't leave us there. That was inside the church, by the way. It's inside this church. It's inside every church. It's inside the synagogue that day. It's been inside the synagogue ever since. It's just what the devil's inspired to do. But we wage our war. Jesus doesn't leave this. It's in the homes. How many husbands are thinking about their wives or wives thinking about their husbands or kids or what used to, I mean, families, cousins, uncles. Oh my gosh, if my sister did this or my brother did that or if my mother would have said this or my dad would have done that. This is sickness is in our house as well, friends it's in the church, it's in the home, and it's in the world. The three places we had Jesus in the gospel lesson today. It's in our sanctuaries, it's in our homes, it's in the world. But Jesus enters those three spaces and he absolutely removes these things. Let's flip it over to the other side. Now you can actually see some of yourselves. When the world sees you, right now you guys might be in some of those in they a little fold over here. When the world sees you, can they see Jesus? Every one of those other words has a counterpart and every one of those counterparts was personally displayed in perfection in Jesus. Think about these words, compassionate. Jesus was compassionate. It's up there. Dependable, faithful, forgiving friend. When Jesus went in the synagogue, and he went into the homes, and when he went into the surrounding areas surrounded by crowds, he looked at them as though they were his friends. Even the ones that were coming out from the city to observe him and critique him and to find a way to destroy him, he still looked at them as a friend generous oh how jesus was generous he didn't count what he was going to get he just gave it away he gave everything away and he was gentle he was the power and the authority that set creation in motion nothing that was is in creation that we can see or think about came to being except through him the father and spirit It all came through God. He didn't roll in there and just command things and demand things and wreck people with His strength. He didn't manipulate us with His power, His wealth. He didn't do any of that. Jesus was just gentle and good and healing and humble and kind. He loved, He was merciful. Obedient, observant, patient. He had peace. Powerful. He taught. He lifted people up and he welcomed. There's probably another 50 adjectives that are beautiful that we could attribute to Jesus easily. But these? How about when the world sees you, that they'll see someone who welcomes? How about when the world sees you, they'll see someone who's patient or kind. When the world sees you, they'll see someone who's generous. When you see the world sees you, they'll see someone who has the capacity to forgive. And they don't even know where it comes from. You know. Because as much as God loves you and forgives you, now you have the capacity to love and forgive. You know your source. It's God. It's God. And they know your source because they can see it because this comes through God. This is how God, guys, this, this is how God made you. In creation, when it was formed, before sin came in, this was the beauty of heaven. This is the beauty of heaven. This is how it's intended to be. This is how we are purposed to be. Anything less than this is just less. When the world sees us, what will they see? Jesus calls out the demons. He doesn't let them hide. They don't have to be comfortable. They don't have to like what he's saying. He calls them out. He calls out all demon-inspired behaviors. It's not comfortable looking at the other side and being called out for how we sin. It's just—it's not going to be. But that's not the end. He calls out the illness and that's not the end. The end of the story is actually being healed and being in heaven with him. No more illness on this side of the planet. Jesus restores humanity. His mission was to restore us to be who he created us to be. All of that. And when they look in the mirror, when they look at us, they'll see him. Said that a couple of times already, right? I want make sure we hold on to it that we're to join God's epiphany. God, help us be that church. Forgive us when we mess it up. Don't let us quit. But Lord, help us to be that kind of church. Amen. Let us declare our faith. We will use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
1: Embraced by the love of God, let us bring our prayers to God, trusting in his promise to deliver us in the midst of our troubles. God, whose love is patient and kind, empower your church throughout the world to proclaim the gospel wherever, everywhere with patience and kindness. Give pastors, leaders, teachers, and all your disciples a full measure of patience and kindness in our interactions with one another. Lord, in your mercy,
0: hear our prayer.
1: God of love, your love is not irritable or resentful. Let your love, joy, forgiveness, and peace flow freely in and among the members and families of this congregation. Preserve us from discord and arguments that bring out the worst in us and divide us. Bring us unity of heart and mind. Let the love you have shown us embrace our lives and bind us together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, your love is not envious or boastful. Bless the leaders of nations, our president, congress, governors, and local leaders to be godly, humble servants. Move all leaders to cease their envy and arrogance, injustice, and corruption. Guide them to be honorable and govern according to your will. Bless those who serve in our armed forces and lift up refugees and victims of war. Bring peace between us and our enemies. Let your peace in Christ reign over this broken world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, your love is caring and compassionate. Thank you for the working in the lives of doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals who work toward healing and restoration of wholeness. Come to the aid of all who are in need. Bring healing and peace according to your will to those suffering and sick, those facing surgery and those facing death. Bring comfort and hope to families and loved ones as they support and care for loved ones. Today we remember Jeff and his family, Mary, Lori, Jody, Bill, Bob, Jack, Anna, Barbara, Lana, Robert and Charlotte, Aaron, and Lana, and we remember Pastor Daniel and the Bethany family as they mourn the passing of wife and friend Selby and those we name in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, yeah. blessed Savior, you have made your church to be the home of all people. You have called each of us to be your disciples, to know Jesus and to make him known. Help Emmanuel Lutheran to be the hands and feet of God in Northwest Arkansas. Put the name and face of someone that needs us this week on our heart and mind. Help us to reach out to them in love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
2: Lord, in addition to the prayers that we have spoken, we know that you know the thoughts of our hearts. You also hear the prayers that come to you in our sighs. They're too deep for words. We entrust ourselves, we entrust our prayers, all that we have and all that we are, to your abiding love. And this is in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.